Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. So the question I have for you this morning and the topic I have for you is this. Who do you think you are? Right, turn to someone and ask them. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are, right? So how are we doing re-engaging with the world around us? As I said, we're a bit hesitant. We're not so eager to do it. You know, we're, we're going through situations. We're, we've been through trauma. We've been through difficult situations. And so it's not as easy as it was before. And so we have to understand that this is not unique to us at this time. And I want to give us a little bit of insight today and give us a little bit of encouragement to what's happened in the past so we can take a grain of truth and we can take some wisdom, we can take some insight into what other people have gone through and kind of put that into our world as well. You know, and so Christ followers as a whole, we've not been isolated from the world. We've been part of the world since Jesus actually came and he talked to us and he introduced this amazing truth of who he is and what he represents and how we can engage with him and transform not just our lives but the world around us as well and that mission is critical to who we are as a church as individuals as people engaging in the world it's critical to us and so that's why we're in this uh, series called mission critical because Oftentimes, when we disengage with the world, we forget about what we are called to do. We forget about things that we should be doing. We forget about what we're actually supposed to do. And so, as early Christ followers back in the first century, they went through some traumatic experience. If you've read scripture, if you've read anything about the Bible, and you've gone through some of the insights that's happened... People who started off following Jesus didn't face a good time. They were persecuted. They were ostracized. They were pushed in different directions. They didn't have the privileges that other people in their world had. They weren't even allowed to gather properly. You know, kind of like what we are. We're not allowed to, we weren't allowed to gather for a long time. And so they had to kind of sometimes sneak from one place to the other. And if you go to, you know, Rome and down in the catacombs, you'll find places in the tunnels where the early church used to meet. They used to meet out in the open. And so they didn't have the privileges of doing things that other people in their world did. And so that kind of sounds a little bit like what we've been through, right? And so in that world, living for Jesus or living as a Christ follower was a threat to your life. You didn't know if you were going to be caught and put into prison. You didn't know if you were going to be, you know, killed. You didn't know if your family, your neighbors would turn you in. And kind of like what the government was doing today, you know, to this today, sorry, this sneak on your neighbors, tell us what they're doing. And so neighbors would turn on neighbors because they wanted to just get rid of these people that believed in Jesus. And so the church went through a tremendous upheaval. But what amazing opportunities existed in that world was that the church began to explode because of the persecution that they went through. The church didn't shrink or disintegrate or disappear. The church actually flourished and grew because of the trouble that they went through. 
And so Peter, the great apostle who was a follower of Jesus, you know, he was with Jesus and he was there with Jesus right through his ministry. Peter, when he comes through this trial, he's riding through this church that are in modern day Turkey and he's giving them some encouragement. He wants to encourage them. He's writing to these people who have gone through a tremendous struggle, gone through fatigue of the persecution like we have, you know, the, the ostracizing, all of these things. And he's writing to encourage them. And so in many ways, they're not dissimilar to what we've been through. People that have been put through the ringer of stress. And so Peter writes this letter to the churches and he encourages them and he reminds them of who they are in Christ Jesus. That God has not forgotten them. And oftentimes when we go through trouble, we think, where is God? Has he forgotten me? Does he remember me? But he wants you to understand and he wants them to understand that they are in fact God's chosen people. They are not out of God's mind. They're not out of his sight. He has a plan for them. There's a purpose in everything they go through. And as I said before, it's easy to forget about what you're supposed to do when you go through a stressful situation because the pressure we face often forces us into behaviors that we don't necessarily like or do in a normal circumstance you know some of us have been through this pressure and we don't normally do it but we've done things we're not very proud of right we've taken some liberties in some areas that we don't want to look back on with any sort of affection and i'm sure there's situations that you have been through that you would like to take back have you been through a situation in your life and you said e if i could just change one little thing there yes. yep. if i could not have said that if i have not if i couldn't have just not gone there or picked up that phone or said that maybe things would have turned out better well peter i guarantee you he had those thoughts because he could have taken back a number of situations in his world that he could have said, I wish I didn't do. Number one, the top of the list is betraying Jesus, <laughs> right? I wish I didn't do that. <laughs> what about slicing off the ear of one of the Roman soldiers? Wish he didn't do that. What about turning around and rebuking Jesus? Maybe I shouldn't have opened my mouth. <laughs> I'm sure Peter had those situations. So think about it in your world. Have you ever been through a situation that you knew you were going to regret later? And you knew if you said this, you're going to say, have a regret later. And you knew if you went down this path, you're going to have regrets later. But you were just so obstinate. We're just so angry. We're just so frustrated. Say, I don't care. I'm just going to do it anyway. And then you, that leads to massive regrets right this is something i'm not going to like i'm going to pay the consequence of these decisions that i'm doing right now but i'm just too mad to do anything else but do go ahead and do it you know hasty decisions always bring long lasting regrets the decisions we do in haste that we make under pressure that we make when we feel like we don't have any other choice that other people are forcing us into we always live with regrets yeah. and it could have been one small tiny little decision that is you're paying a lifetime of regrets 
There's a number of those situations in my world that I look back to even today. And one of them is even so stupid, you know, it's very silly. But it still haunts me and I'll share it with you because it's stupid. You laugh, but it's silly. So I went to the hairdressers. This is when I had hair. <laughs> and, you know, it was, big, it, was frow- it was a big hair too. It was cool, you know. Uh, and... So I went to the hairdresser and I was like, you know, I need a haircut. So just give me a trim. And, you know, I wanted the side shave, but the top there, you know, that style. It's come back now, right now. So she was, anyway, she's cut my hair and I was sitting there and she's like, what do you want to do with the back here? And I said to her, what do you think? I was asking for her opinion. What do you think? She took it as... And an insult. What do you think? Obviously, right? And she yanked my hair and cut it. So, but I felt bad, not because she yanked my hair, but because I didn't mean it to be an insult. But I regret it to this day. And this was like, you know, when I was 18 years old, right? Maybe if I said it in a different tone, and I still sit some, some days and think about it. And you're, you're right, you're laughing. It's a silly thing, right? But I said it in haste, and I regret it even today. And I still remember it. So that shows how much it is. But hasty decisions lead to long-term regrets. On the reverse of that, prayerful decisions always result in sustained peace. If we bring God into our equation, if we invite Jesus into the situation and consult him before we make any decision, whether it's big, whether it's small, we will always have a sustained peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. Because God is interested in the success of our lives. And so he's not going to lead us down a path that is going to be bad and we will have regrets. He's going to lead us down a path that's going to actually benefit us and bring us actual peace. So I want to encourage you, any decision you make, allow God to intervene in that decision. Oftentimes, We make decisions. And I said last week, if you were with us in episode number one, sometimes when we're in school, sometimes we get into fights or we have the choice to run away or to fight. And I remember getting into a fight at school. It was, again, a stupid thing, right? And it was a stupid thing because we were trying to cheat on an exam. (laughs) (laughs) So this is why we got in a fight. It was stupid again. So, you know, the desks, we had big desks, and we had to sit on either end of the desk. And so by consequence, when you're sitting at the end of the desk and there's another desk, you were pretty close together. So the guy on that side wanted to pull the bench this way so he could cheat off the other person. I wanted to pull it this way so I could cheat off of this person. (laughs) So what happens when you're 12 years old or 13 years old and you didn't study. So anyway, we were pulling, we got mad at each other, and then we just broke out in a fist fight. Right in the middle of the class, right before the exam. And... I was so mad, I was so upset, I bit down on my lip, I cut my lip right through, and there's a scar right there, still. Come later and look at it. There's a scar right under my lip, because I bit through my lip, I was so mad, and, and was ready to fight, I was like, well, that's and I bit right through. There's a hole. <laughs> Another big regret, right? For stupid things. And maybe there's something in your world that you've done that you regret. A lot of things that we sometimes don't want to do. Pressure doesn't bring the best out of us. And that's why it's important that when God speaks to us and Peter's writing to us, 
he's telling us that we will face all kinds of pressure in this world. Situations in our life, situations in our world, situations that are going through us. And so Peter speaks to this experience that he's gone through. As I said before, he was under tremendous pressure as well. You know, coming from a different place in a different world. We might not identify with how Peter thinks, but he's gone through the same situations that we've gone through. It might not have been the exact same time, but it's the exact same situation. So he comes and he speaks to us and he speaks to that church, but he's speaking to us in our world as well with the same mentality. I've been through this pressure and I want you to understand what God thinks about it. So this is what he says to the church in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. He says this, in all these things greatly rejoice. Yes, there's pressure. Yes, there's things around you, but don't let it get you down. Actually turn that into rejoicing. Though for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. And have we been through trials? We have been through trials. Whether it's in the world, whether it's the pandemic or whatever you're going through in your personal situation. We've been through difficult situations. A trial is something that puts pressure on you. So he says we've been through this. And even if you have to suffer for a little while. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. What is Peter saying? What is he telling us? We go through pressure. Just because we are Christ followers does not mean that we are immune from suffering does not mean that we are immune from all the situations we go through we feel the same anxiety we feel the same stress we feel the same pressure that is always around us but he says i want you to look at it in a different light it's how we react when we're under pressure that determines our future it's not the good times, it's not the easy times, it's how we react when we're under pressure that determines our future. Because it's when we're under pressure that we're prone to make bad decisions. It's when we're under pressure that we do things inadvertently or because we are forced to that we regret these decisions later. You see, it's how you react when you're under pressure that's going to bring you the result that's either good or bad. You put a piece of coal under tremendous pressure and you get a diamond. You put a rock under tremendous pressure and you get dust. Same pressure, different results. Would you want to be a diamond or be crushed into the ground? Which one would you choose? right it's the pressure situations it's our comprehension from our experience that defines our future perspective it's what we gain through the mistakes and the failures and you know failures are not a bad thing if you don't if you learn from them mistakes are okay if you know how not to do them again the problem is if we don't learn from failures and if we don't learn from mistakes and we keep repeating the same things in a cycle over and over in our life. 
And so Peter compares this experience we go through. And he says, your faith is being refined. And he uses example because he's talking about a refiner's fire. Do you know what a refiner's fire is? It's not just a fire that burns everything down. It's not a house fire where the firemen have to come and put it out. No, he's talking about a refiner's fire. A refiner's fire is a fire that removes impurities. You know, it's someone that takes a piece of gold that might have dust and dirt in it. And they put it into the fire. And all that dust and dirt is removed. So you get the purity of the metal. The refiner's fire is not to destroy you. But to make you without dross. It's to remove the imperfections from your world. And so what Peter wants us to understand is that the trials we've gone through are not to destroy you. They're to make you stronger. They're to make you more perfect in the sight of God. We often look at them as something that's destructive or taking away from us. But trials come to prove the genuineness of our faith. Because he says it's far more worth than gold. You know, we consider gold a precious metal. But he says this thing that you're going through is worth more than gold. It's worth more than precious stones. It's going to produce something that's more worthwhile in your life than some metal or gold or precious stones. Because it's going to result in God getting glory and honor. When God, Jesus, is revealed through you. I want you to think about it this way. Because the scriptures tell us that God has given us salvation. That we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not work on our salvation. Work out our salvation. God has given it to us when we come to believe in who Jesus is. And put our faith and decide to follow him. And so the outside doesn't often reflect the inside. And so sometimes the trials come to take away the outside, that's the imperfection, to produce the inside, which is Christ Jesus in us. And so the trials we go through, you might not see it that way, you might not understand it that way, but that's what Peter is saying. It's producing in you something that's far better than you could imagine. And that's the perspective that we should have. That we go through these trials in preparation to make us stronger. And so while others look at it, what is the point of going through this? And what is the point of struggling? We look at it as there's a point is that we're making ourselves stronger. God is building us up. He's equipping us. He's, he's showing us things that we came to build our lives. That when we go through another trial, when we go through another situation that's similar, we're not going to fall apart. We're actually going to be stronger for it because we've gone through the experience of building up ourselves as God works in our lives. And that's exciting. I don't know about you, but that's exciting. When I look at my trial as God working on me, I know that God is actively participating in my life. He's not absent from my life. He's not distant from my life. He's present, alive, and working on me. I'm not forgotten. 
God is doing a work in me and God is doing a work in you. And that's what Peter wants you to understand. Forget about all the situations and the pain. Understand, yes, it's been painful, but God is doing a marvelous work in your life. You're going to come through much better, much stronger, much more resilient than you were before. He says it's much more precious than metals. This gives us a whole new perspective. If you have this understanding, no matter what you go through, it's refining you. It's making you stronger. It's strengthening you. It's building you up. Your perspective helps you see things in a brand new way. Where you looked at it as a problem, you're going to look at it as an opportunity. Where you looked at it as something that is worth less, you're going to look at it as something that's worthwhile. Because it's going to help you see things. The reality is that we know God delivers, right? We know that he's a deliverer. He's done it over and over again. We see it in our lives and we see it through scriptures. But here's the danger. The danger is that when we're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel like anything is happening. When we're in the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. It feels like this is going to go on forever. But oftentimes we give up in the middle because it's the hardest time. It's not at the start. It's not when we can see the end. It's in the middle. And that's why scripture writers over and over again tell us about the trials they went through. We look at them. You know, we read about them all the time. We read about David. We read about Jacob. We read about Moses. We read about Peter. We read about John. We read about Elijah and Elisha. We read about all these men of God that went through tremendous situations. But we have the perspective that they didn't when they were in it. We know they came through it. And if you put yourself in the same story, in the same situation, you will come through it too because God is on your side. God is with you. Even though it seems dark, God is going to take you through. Don't give up in the middle. Peter is writing this from his own experience. He's not giving you just head knowledge. He says, oh, I'm just going to give you a theory. He's giving you a real life example because he went through tremendous situations. Let me give you an example from his life because this is what he went through. You get to Acts chapter 12 and you find the church under tremendous persecution again. And Herod, who was the tetriarch at that time, or the ruler of that time, had arrested some people that belonged to the church. Acts chapter 12 verse 1. It says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to do what? Persecute them. He had James, the brother of John. Not Jesus' brother, but James, the brother of John. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that it met with approval among the Jews, they were all excited. Great, this guy is causing us a threat. Let's eliminate him. And so when Herod eliminated him, he saw how it pleased all the Jewish people because they felt this was a threat to their, you know, their way of life. He also looked to catch more people and then he proceeded to catch Peter. They found Peter. Well, here's the prize. Peter is the prize, right? Yes, John is good. But this is Peter, the closest one to Jesus. 
he wanted to put on another show. He wanted to incite even more enthusiasm from these Jewish people. So after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. He wouldn't want to offend the Jews by having this in the middle of the Passover. If you remember anything about the crucifixion of Jesus, it happened close to the Passover. And so that's why they had to put him there and they couldn't do what they wanted to do. So they, he didn't want to cause this disruption. He says, I'm going to wait. They're having their religious ceremonies. I'm going to put Peter in prison, put him on a lock and key. I'm going to have how many people? Guarded by four squads of soldiers, right? Not just two guys, but four squads. Not just four guys, squads of them. One guy, with, he was not even a guy who could fight, but he just had an anger problem at some point. But anyway, let's lock him down. Let's chain him down. Let's surround him with soldiers and then put more soldiers around him. Then more soldiers around him. Let's lock the gate and make sure that no one gets in. And more so, you have to understand that these soldiers, if they let a prisoner escape, they would be punished with their life. They'd have to give their life in exchange for the escaped prisoner. So there was no way that these guys were going to take this as a casual thing. Right? So, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. So the church gathered together, they met in houses, they met in secret, and they began to pray earnestly for Peter. The church was united for Peter as they gathered and prayed for Peter's safety. They prayed that God would protect and take care and somehow deliver Peter. They prayed earnestly. Did they believe what they prayed? I don't know. We'll see in a second. But they prayed earnestly. The church was united in prayer. What happens next? The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound between two chains so he's bound with chains there's two soldiers right there peter's sleeping and you can take this in whatever perspective you want maybe he's like you know what i'm going to just trust god and i'm going to relax or it could be like you know what i don't have a choice in the matter i'm just tired i'm going to sleep so peter decided that he was sleeping right he was bound in these things suddenly here's a miracle an angel of the lord appeared and a light shone in the cell he struck Peter up on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off him, fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and, and sandals. And Peter did so. Now, you're wondering, you're probably wondering like I am, well, what happened to the soldiers that were tied to him? They were right there, right? They probably fell asleep like he did. He says, wrap up your cloak around you and follow me. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. He thought he was having a dream. You know, he's fallen asleep. He's having this awesome dream. You know, you have those awesome dreams where you think you're doing great things and then you wake up and it's the reality. I'm like, what happened there? That's probably what he's dreaming. You know, it's like, I wish I was free. I'll be back with my friends and family. And, you know, God's going to do this amazing thing. So he was all in this, caught up in this dream that he thought he was having. He thought he was still sleeping, right? So they passed the first and second gods. Remember I said there's gods, second gods, third gods, all of them. They passed that cohort of gods. 
No one stopped them. They came to the iron gate that was locked, locking them in, leading to the city. And it opened by itself. And they went through. When they walked the length of the street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches. And from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. So Peter is delivered miraculously. Now, he's speaking from this place knowing that he went through a trial. Knowing that God supernaturally delivered him. There was no way out. There was no army coming to rescue him. But he put his faith and trust in God. And God supernaturally delivered him. More so, if you read the rest of the scripture... He went back to the house they were praying. The church was praying earnestly for him. And he knocked on the door. And he said, let me in. And Rhoda came and she's like, who is that? And he's like, I'm Peter. And she's like, no, you're not. Because Peter's in prison. He says, yes, I am. And she freaked out and she ran away and she didn't even open the door. Right? So she ran into the people. They were praying for Peter's deliverance. And he, he, she said to him, Peter's here. And they said, no, he's not. <laughs> but I'm like, weren't you just praying for Peter to be delivered? And they're like, no, he's not. It's Peter's ghost. That's what they said. It's not him. It's a spirit. Because we know where Peter is. And yes, we've been praying. And yes, we've been asking God to deliver Peter. And yes, we've been doing all these things. But that's not Peter. That's what they said. <laughs> Finally, they got their wits together. They said, okay, let's go check this out because this woman is hysterical. So they finally opened the door and found out that it was Peter. And then they celebrated. <laughs> and so often in our world, isn't it that, how it is? We ask God for something and then when it shows up, we're like, no, it can't be. <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but God works in the lives of his people. He does marvelous things. And when you engage with his vision for the world, you are in line with what he wants you to do. And you will see God at work in your life. And so that's what Peter comes from. He comes from this place of experience. He says, I know this. I'm not giving you head knowledge. I'm speaking from experience. I'm saying God delivers God will help you it doesn't matter what trial you've been through God's going to use it to help you get better and stronger and show you how marvelous and amazing he is so don't look at what you've come through look at where he's taking you to don't look on your past look on your future don't look at what's going to happen there look at what's going to happen in your future don't think about all those situations that you struggle with think about the joy you're going to get when you get to the place that God is taking you to Peter reminds us of who we are supposed to be who we are called to be so when we say who do you think you are I am and you are a child of the living God. And this is what Peter says when he reaches his conclusion in 1 Peter 2. He says this, but don't you know this, that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare his praises 
to him who called you out of darkness into his powerful and wonderful light. Once you were not a people, once you didn't know him, once you were abandoned, once you were far from God, but now you are the people of God. That's something you should celebrate about. That's something you should give him praise about. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Don't you know you are God's chosen people? Don't you know that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession? That's what he says. That's who you are. So who do you think you are? We are children of God. I am a child of God. You're a child of God. We are called by his name. We are empowered by his spirit. We are agents of transformation in our community. We are his hands and his feet. We are loved. We are empowered. We are God's chosen generation. Called out of darkness into his light. And so Peter says, yes, I know you have to go through some trials. Yes, I know you're going through some difficult situations. Yes, I know it's uncomfortable. Yes, I know it's going to be stressful. Yes, I know there's a lot of pressure on you. But remember that you're worth more than silver and gold. That you are God's special chosen people. And he will never abandon his people. And so Peter speaks from this wealth of experience. And when it gets to, it feels like impossible situations, impossible circumstances. God still moves. God still delivers. God still heals. Mind you, not on your time, but on his time. He could have delivered Peter any time he wanted, but he chose at a time to bring him the best glory. And so, ask yourself a question. Are you re-engaging in God's vision for your life? Or have you disengaged because of all the trials and all the situations that you look at in your world? Are you thinking that God can't take you through? Are you thinking that this is just too much, too heavy, too much all of a sudden? Or are you seeing what God is doing in your world? So as we come to the conclusion, I want to leave you with two questions. Question number one is read First Peter five, sorry, First Peter one six and seven, and ask God how He's building you up. How is God building you up? He is. We've just seen it. That's what Peter says. Every trial is there to make you stronger. And maybe you don't see it from that perspective, but spend a few moments this week. Say, God, I feel all this pressure, but help me see things in a new perspective. Help me see things the way you see them. Help me see what you're doing in my world that I don't necessarily see because I'm looking at the trials and you want me to look at the fruit. We heard words I say that. Ask God how he's working to build you up. 
Because when we go through a trial and we face it with grace and humility and love, we will always come through stronger than we did when we started. Question number two. What is one practical thing that you can do this week to lean into what God is doing in our church? What is one practical thing that you can do this week to lean into what God is doing in our church? Because God is actively at work in our world, in our church, in our community. There's so many opportunities for us to engage again. And yes, we feel lethargic and yes, we don't want to engage as we used to. And yes, we might feel like we have lockdown fatigue and all these things going on. But you'll never get through that or get out of that feeling if you don't actively engage in something. I remember when I took a trip and my car was in the garage. And I remember my father telling me, get Chanel. To start it every once a week. You know why? Because if you didn't actively engage with it. The battery would die. And then when you wanted to use it. You wouldn't be able to use it. It would be ineffective. But if you engage with it. Even if it's for five minutes. The car will be alive when you need it. And it's the same with our faith walk, it's the same with our church life, it's the same with our community. If we're not engaged with it, it'll never be active. And so, ask you again, what is one practical thing that you can do this week to lean into what God is doing in our church? You know, there's so many opportunities to serve. We heard about the pantry, pick up an item to give to our community. We've helped so many people and again I want to thank you for your generosity in giving to the pantry because it's helped other people who had a need and it's directly through your generosity thank you give yourselves a hand there's ways you can serve there's ways you can help in the cafe there's ways you can help in our community there's so many different ways that you can engage again so don't put it on a shelf don't forget about it Re-engage with what is God, God is doing in our world, in our church. Amen? Amen? And remember, you're God's chosen people. Let's stand. I want to pray with you. Is that okay? Alright. I really want to leave you with this. That God never forgets what's in your world. You might feel like he's forgotten. Or you don't. He, he doesn't know what's happening. But he's always alive. And working in your life. He's always present. And we don't see it. When we're in the middle. As I said. In the middle. We feel like giving up. Because we don't see the end. We feel like we're just stuck here. And it's dark. And it's, it's horrible. And I can't see a way out. I can't see anything and that's what Peter must have felt you know when he was in the prison locked between these soldiers four squads of soldiers he couldn't see a way out there's no way for him to have gotten himself out and it felt difficult it feels difficult in the middle whatever you're going through whatever relationship struggle you're going through whatever work crisis you're going through whatever you're going through it's difficult and I acknowledge that and God acknowledges it is difficult it's hard 
But don't forget about the key component, and that is Him. He can change every situation. No matter how difficult it is. No matter how impossible it seems. God is on your side. He loves you. You are His chosen people. He chose you. He loves you. He knows you by name. He called you out to be part of what He is doing. You are loved. You are blessed. You are empowered. And He knows you by name. Lift your hands with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your awesome presence. You've never forgotten us. You've never abandoned us. And yes, sometimes we drift between sensing your presence and feeling far. And sometimes we go through periods of darkness and depression and hurt and pain. Sometimes we feel like we're distant from you or you're distant from us. But Lord, you're never far. You're always near. Help us re-engage with your spirit. Help us re-engage in our mission. Help us re-engage in what you're doing in our world, in our community, in our church. Help us be invested in your heart for this nation. Because you haven't put it on pause. You haven't put it on the back burner. That you're present in our world. And Lord, I pray for every single person here. Every man, every woman, every child. That you will equip them. That you will lead them. That you will guide them. And you will strengthen them. And all that they call to do. And all that you've put into their life. And all the purpose that you've put in them. Pray for your wisdom, your courage, and your strength to permeate our lives. So we can lift ourselves up because we know we are loved. We know we are chosen. We know we are your possession. We know that you value us. Help us step forward. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're still working. Bless your people. Encourage them. Whatever they're going through right now, whatever situation they're going through, encourage them, strengthen them, deliver them, heal them, work in their world. For you are the healer, the restorer, and the giver of life. I honor you, and I thank you this morning. I give you all praise. Be the center of our world. Be the center of our life. Be the center of our church. For Jesus, you deserve all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Put your hands together and give me some praise. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. 
I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.